Hello and welcome to episode 898 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, March 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and today we've got a solo episode. And I want to talk about a really fun topic that uh, I've done before, uh, both in writing and I believe pod form, uh, at least some spin on it. And what I'm what I'm calling it here is thrift shopping with the Bat X projections. And basically what it is, I want to say uh, Derek Van Riper calls it, you know, uh, buy this, not that type of deal. You know, it's it's looking for cheaper iterations of more expensive players that are reasonably the same uh, as far as uh, expectations go, which is what a projection is. And and that way, if you buy that player, maybe he spikes a, a bigger season and you paid X number of fewer picks and you're better off for it. The Bad X, of course, is Derek Cardi's uh, wonderful projection system. The Bad X is actually the, the revised version of, of the Bat uh, that takes in even more factors uh, to really come up with one of the best projection systems out there, if not the very best. I I like looking at all of them just to kind of get an idea of where everybody's at. That's why I like how we put them all on the player pages to get a snapshot. But I do lean toward the bad X when, when push comes to shove there, and I really want to look at a, a complete system. So that's the one I'm using here. And what I really love is that when you go up – on Fangraphs.com, go to the Projections tab, click on the the one of your choice, too. It doesn't have to be the Bad X if you prefer elsewhere. But you click on it, you get the projections, and then you get the ADP in that far right corner, and that, that far right column. And that really helps you kind of find these type of players that we're talking about. Because you see, you know, you can sort by whatever you want, whether it's home runs, uh, you know, runs, ribbies, stolen bases, batting average, OPS, or WOBA. Obviously, a lot of leagues don't count OPS Woba, but those are kind of those catch-all numbers that give you an idea of offensive production. And then you can start to compare the ADPs. You know, if you're sorting it by OPS uh, and it's just going top to bottom, and you got somebody that's you know ADP 50, and the two players later, maybe five points of OPS difference, there's a guy who's going, you know, 300 picks after that, or pick 300 or whatever. It's like whoa. I got to investigate this. And there are there are ones like that. I mean, uh, we're going to get into some pr- pretty stark differences here. So we're going to go position by position. I have I have a catcher, first base comparison, second base, two shortstop ones, a third base one, and two outfield ones. So those are just a couple positions, shortstop and outfield, where I found uh, more to dive into and not just the one comparison. So let's just start and go around the diamond. Let's start at catcher. And let's compare buying Salvador Perez at his ADP, which is currently 82, versus Gary Sanchez. Now, this one's particularly interesting to me because there is one major discrepancy between the two uh, in, in terms of fantasy categories. It's the runs batted in. But there's also a major difference in plate appearances that if Sanchez can close that gap a little bit, then he's really going to be able to make up that RBI discount. But the fact is that he's like double the price, uh, you know, 82 versus 167. I would give up those ribbies at catcher to get pretty much the same across the board here. So you're looking at Perez in 520 plate appearances, 27 homers, 60 ribbies, excuse me, 60 runs, 81 ribbies. They both have a steal. Who cares? 257 average. Uh, the average is also a big difference. I'll point that out too. So you got the ribbies and the average as the big difference. But Sanchez in 376 plate appearances has 25 homers, just two fewer. 
uh, 52 runs, just eight fewer. 58 ribbies, and that is a big difference, 81 to 58. And then the 228 average, which is about a 30-point difference. And that is also, uh, you know, worth noting. here. There are some differences. But I'm seeing that cost discrepancy, and I see the um, I, I see the power and the runs being pretty darn close. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, I know Kyle Higashioka is there. Uh, and he could de- he's definitely going to take some time because Gary Sanchez's defense is certainly not uh, what anybody would call strong. But isn't he going to play more than 376 plate appearances? I kind of feel like he is, uh, you know, as long as he's not putting up a 68 WRC plus like he did in 2020, and as long as he's healthy. I mean, you go through and look, uh, since 2017... 525, 374, 446, and then 178 last year. But keep in mind that was in 49 of the 60 games. You extrapolate that out, you're still looking at, uh, you know, you're you're still looking at, at more than what we're talking about here. Let me just do the. Let me just run the quick maths. If he had played, say, 120 games, 435 plate appearances. If he if Sanchez had caught 120 games in 2020, based on the production that he had had put together there. And that was that was him playing very poorly. So 376 feels a little light, and yet the projections are still pretty close here. So it's not even so much that I'm like vehemently against Perez, but I think Sanchez is at a buy low price right now that is absolutely worth taking, right? A lot of people don't even want to invest in high-end catchers outside of, uh, you know, maybe JT Romuto because of how dynamic he is and how he offers across the board production there with his speed. But beyond that, you know, there's a few other guys that pockets of people get jazzed about. But for the most part, uh, folks are looking at mid and late tier catchers. A lot of people just punt and just take two guys at the end to try to spike something. I think Gary Sanchez is, is the play here. I mean, you compare them over the last uh, three seasons there since since 2018, and I think you really start to see the stark difference there. Now, there's admittedly a big plate appearance difference in favor of Sanchez at that point, uh, 998 to 700. So I don't want to get too much into comparing the raw numbers because that's just going to look unfair. But you look at the at the slash lines there, and it's you know 200, 296, 453, 258, 291, 483. And that second line is Perez's. And there are advantages there. I, I fully grant that, particularly with the batting average. That's the big difference there. But give me that raw power, and I will take the batting average hit and hope that there's not, you know, there's, there's a slight opportunity that Gary Sanchez can even spike a decent batting average. And for, for that, I think it would be, you know, 230, 240 range here. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not really trying to suggest that maybe there's like an underlying 250 there or something. I know he hit 278 back in 2017, but we haven't been anywhere near that since then. In fact, um, like I said, since 2018, he's at at a flat 200. So plus at catcher, batting averages is a little less important to me because their volume means they're not as impactful. Now that doesn't mean that a 170 average for, you know, 300 at-bats isn't going to hurt you. But I'm, I'm not as concerned about the deficient batting average of Gary Sanchez when I can get the power production uh, similar to or better than Gar- than Salvador Perez here. So that's what I'm going to go with, and that's our first one here. Pass on Sal Perez at 82, get Gary Sanchez at 167. Now let's move over to first base, and uh, this one pains me. I'm just going to be honest, this one pains me a bit. 
because I love this guy, the one that I'm that I'm kind of fading here. And I will also update uh, on on the uh, ADP of the secondary guy here because he's he's moving, he, he's zipping up those those projections. But the first guy, the the uh, the, the expensive guy is Matt Olson, going around pick eighty nine. Uh, actually, I did the updated for both of them. He's actually come down a little bit. Um, most of the ones I just took their ADP off the off the page on Fangraphs. But for the for the first baseman here, since I was going to update the other guy, which the secondary guy is CJ Crone, I'll get that out there uh, because I wanted to update his. I decided to update Olson's as well. But for the most part, um, a lot of the other players here were more or less in line with what the website had. And so I, I just went a little bit more specific, a little bit more of a narrow time frame because CJ Crone, you, you know, the effects of him being in Colorado and people seeing the projections uh, is starting to really take shape in drafts that looking at the 315 ADP on fan graphs felt a bit disingenuous. So I went and updated and it's, it's Matt Olson at 102, CJ Crone at 217. But that's still a stark difference for what you're talking about here. And frankly, based on the bad X, it's crone by a mile when you consider the price difference. Even if his price continues to go up, even if he was, I don't know, if he, even if he goes up to like 180, I think CJ Crone is the pick here if, if you believe in the bad X. Matt Olson in 621 plate appearances, 32 homers, 79 runs, 86 ribbies, and a 231 average. Again, I'm not worried about the steals here when they don't matter. It's two to one Olson. Who cares? Uh, you look at Crone, 33 homers, that's plus one. The same 79 runs and 93 ribbies, which is plus seven. And, and that's not it. 274 average, a 43-point jump. And like I said, I love Matty O. I actually think his batting average uh, can beat that projection a little bit. I, I, I think he can be like a 250-type hitter. The way he smacks the ball... And some of the stuff we've seen previously in his career definitely leads me to believe that he can be, you know, a, a 245 to 255 type of range. Uh, he's a 245 career hitter, Matt Olson is. I know he hit 195 last year. I feel like there was a little bit of that small sample with, with it just being the two months that he would have finagled his way out of and maybe not gotten all the way up to the 245, but I think he would have ended the season somewhere in the in the 230s, which would have required a pretty good rally over the final four months that we didn't get. So I'll close that gap a little bit, but even if I go generous and I go 250, you're still talking about a 24-point difference an extra homer, the same runs, and seven more ribbies. Well, actually, you know what? Call it even on the ribbies because if he gets those extra base hits Matt Olson does, then he's probably going to close the RBI gap too. And and maybe he closes the home run gap and it's even. But even if their home runs, runs, and ribbies are even, there's still a batting average gap and, more importantly, an average draft position gap. And that's the key here is that if you like Crone, you just can't justify paying for Matt Olson, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And like I said, I love Matt Olson, man. I've been I've been touting him for a couple seasons now. Just really excited about what he can do. I still think there's a 40 plus homer season here with with the opportunity to maybe touch 50 at some point. But Crone, he's been good. Uh, you know, he was stifled by injury last year when he was with the Tigers. Otherwise, he might have been off to another solid season after playing well with Tampa Bay, Minnesota, the two previous seasons. Um, you know, he had an 894 OPS when he was felled by injury after just 52 plate appearances with the Tigers. Now he goes up to Colorado and, and looks healthy, ready to go. 
I mean, you just you just gotta go for that. Like I said, I know the ADP is moving, and that's why I got the updated version at 217. It'll probably continue to move, but I still think anything like past, I don't know, 150 makes Crone the answer over somebody like Olsen and probably a few other first basemen in that range there. So CJ Crone, the bat loves him. Uh, guys going out to Colorado is always exciting, but somebody who's really shown that they can hit, you know, we kind of get giddy about anybody that's in Colorado if they have an opportunity, right? I think there was some some Josh Fuentes love out there after Nolan Arenado got traded. Like, hey, he's going to play every day. And it's like, well, maybe not. Um but this is a legit hitter here. Now, he has a non-roster invite, and it would be so fitting of the Rockies to pull some shenanigans and not keep him for some dumb reason. But let's assume that they actually don't botch this one. They, I mean, the joke is that they like older players anyway, so a 31-year-old's in their wheelhouse. But this is one they should absolutely hang on to. CJ Crone, first base target, definitely taking a look at him. Um, and if you want to buy premium on first base, then get Crone as your corner. And that really works too, because then you're really stacking some power. So I have no problem with that as well. Let's move over to second base now. And this was a comparison that kind of stunned me. I was like, whoa, I, uh, I'm really here for this one. I actually had a different one originally. And I'll, I'll cover that one really quickly here, um, because I kind of I fell off this one. And it it was a little loose anyway because there was some there was one big difference that kind of that could probably explain the uh, the ADP difference, but it was between Keston Hira and Mike Mustakis, and their player type is a little bit different anyway, um, so that it wasn't a great you know kind of one to one there. And Hira is projected for eight more steals, ten versus two, which doesn't feel maybe like a lot, but it, it's pretty significant. So the fact that they were seventy and one nineteen in ADP. That kind of fit, so I was like, "No, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and and pass on this one and try to find a different one." And when I found this one, I was like, "Whoa, this one's perfect. This should have been my first choice. I wish I'd have found this one off rip." And it's between Kevin Biggio and Gene Segura. Remember Gene Segura? Sure you do. Uh, he's been around long enough that a lot of you probably have had him on a team or two at some point. Uh, he's got several double-double seasons in his career. One, two, three. I guess just three because he fell two steals short of having one in 2017. I thought he had a little bit more than that. But he does have three. And, uh, you know, we've seen him be a consistent batting average guy. He's a 285 career. He was seven homers and two steals last year. He was just two for four. But I don't know. You know, I'm not I, – I'm not – ready to say that he's not running anymore. I feel like he's at least a double-digit kind of guy over a full season. The power is not going to explode, but it's solid. And then, like I said, the batting average is there and runs ribbies should be too because he's on a quality Phillies lineup, uh, just as Biggio's with that quality Toronto team. So look at these two here. You got Biggio at 66 ADP and Segura at 188. Huge difference. Now, is there a 122 pick difference here? Uh, I don't think so, Tim. Not a chance. Biggio is projected for 21 homers, 85 ribbies, 68, or excuse me, I keep saying the ribbies. For, I'm actually going to change these columns. For some reason, I always say ribbies right after homers, no matter what. It's just in my brain, the next number after a home run is, is the ribby count. Uh, but I have it here as home runs, runs, ribbies, because that's the way the bat put it in that order. So I'm switching those columns. Let me, let me start over. In fact, I'm going to do it like this, because I feel like when I'm listening to a pod and I'm trying to comprehend all these numbers, uh, sometimes I want it streamlined. Like one thing I really, really dislike um, that pod when pods do is say a decimal point 
for for some sort of percentage. It's so irrelevant, and it just clutters my brain with with an extra digit that that has no meaning to me. And so I've tried to cut those out uh, when I do the pod, and I've even encouraged some friends. I say, hey, maybe maybe get rid of that because it doesn't add any extra context. And when you're just you know maybe you're doing chores or anything, whatever you might be doing, even if you're just sitting there listening. For me, and this might just be a personal thing. Some of you probably just comprehend the numbers very easily, and you can envision them. But when I'm trying to like map out. What, what they're talking about numbers-wise in my head, and it you know, p- baseball podcasts do have a lot of numbers in them, uh, an extraneous digit doesn't help. So what I'm going to do here, though, is I'm going to compare the stats. So let's, let's rewind here. Biggio versus Segura, 66 to 188 ADP, and Biggio has 21 homers by the projections, Segura 19. That's too different. Who cares? Uh, 68 ribbies. For Biggio, 74 for Segura, an advantage for him. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, he's going to make it up in the runs because he's an OBP god. 85 to 82 in favor of Biggio. I mean, even if you go 92 to 82, right? Like, go, go aggressive and make a 10-point gap there, a 10-run a 10, a 10 gap for Biggio. I don't even know that you could really justify that, but let's say you just love Toronto, you're mediocre on Philly, and you think, you know, Biggio's going to have that edge because of his uh, OBP. Even if it's 10, 12, is that enough to justify this? Because then I go to the steals, and it's plus 2 in favor of Segura, 11 to 13. And I didn't even get to the batting average, where it's a 42-point difference, 236 for Biggio, 278 for Segura. I'm looking at this right now, and like... You know, if you have any confidence in the bat, in fact, let me look at the other projection systems too, but I'm feeling like Segura is somebody that people need to be targeting here. Uh, you know, he's power speed, and there's all this panic about, where am I going to get my speed? Where I, if, I, if I don't have a speed player in the first round, I've failed. Like, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but there are some reactions out there to not getting early speed that are a little like, okay, relax. <laughs> it's, it's not the end of the world. By the way, I'm looking at something here, and I just realized I just realized that I'd done goofed on one thing um, with regards to Gene Segura about something I said earlier. He has five double double seasons. I hadn't I hadn't been smushing together some. Actually, no, I don't know why. How'd I botch that? Anyway, it's irrelevant. What did I, what was I gonna look up? Uh, oh, the rest of the projection systems on Segura. Sorry, I got sidetracked there. I'm a moron. Please deal with me. So the bad X is definitely the most hyped on his home run count. The others have him between 13 and 15. And uh, it's the most hyped. It's actually the most hyped on everything except for his steals. Uh, the bat itself has one extra steal, 13, 13 to 14. Uh, the others are at 9, 11, and 13. And that's ATC, Fangraphs, Depth Charts, uh, and Steamer. Uh, excuse me, and Zips, respectively. Steamer has nine as well. Uh, but anyway, there's a little bit inflation in the runs and ribbies by the bad X. But he, let's take the low end. Let's go with the bat and say 15 homers to Biggio's 21. Okay, that's a little bit more of a difference. Sure, 69 ribbies to Biggio's 68. That's still plus one in favor of Segura. 78 runs for Segura to Biggio's 85. Okay, there's a little bit of a gap, but again, 
I, I don't know that I care. And then 14 to 11, so Segura actually gains a steal there. And the batting average in the bat versus the bat X only goes down two points, so it's 276 to 236. That's still plus 40. Bottom line is, even cutting those home runs down, there's not enough here to justify this gap. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. And you know, unless you're just fully out on Segura, or or just really seeing something much more for Biggio than than what these projections have, I I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't be bypassing Biggio and waiting for Segura, especially because with the additions of Springer and Semyon, Biggio's not leading off. I mean, there may be a day here and there, or if an injury crops up, but at this point. There's no way. I mean, I think Springer and Simeon would be better at the top of the order, and maybe even Bichette would. But I think they used Biggio um, at one last year when, when they had Biggio and Bichette. So I, I'll, I'll just say just the two new additions, though. So, yeah, I was already kind of out on Biggio, feeling like I, I like him, but the market loves him, and it's a little pricey for me. I see this comparison with Segura, and I'm super out at this point. Give me, give me Segura all day. All right, let's move over to our first shortstop one here. And it's a comparison between Carlos Correa and Paul DeYoung. Now, off rip, I'll tell you that there's a 103, 103-ic difference in average draft position. It's 123 for Correa, 226 for Paul DeYoung. Okay? Now, let's do the comparison of the stats. Correa, 25 homers to DeYoung's 28. He gets an edge there for, for the cheaper guy. 87 ribbies for Correa, 86 for DeYoung. Minus one for DeYoung, okay. Same run scout, 83 apiece. Actually, three more steals for DeYoung, two to five. Which, whatever, that's pretty inconsequential too. And I, like I said, I'm not going to get hung up on, on those smaller numbers. But, you know, it's still an edge for the cheaper guy. Now, here's where Correa gets something back a bit. 258 average versus 244. But that's not enough for 103 picks with everything else shaping up how it is. They're both on quality teams. And and really on this one, this is more for me pro DeYoung than it is anti-Correa. Because I like Correa and I could actually see more uh, from him than, than this projection. I understand why where this projection comes from based on based on what he's done. But I could see, I could see kind of a surge. I could see a, a spike here. You know, he stays healthy and he just goes off in his age twenty six season. Sure, there's some more upside there, probably than there is for Paul DeYoung. But again, is it enough to merit a one hundred and three pick difference? Because Paul DeYoung isn't some old dude. I think uh, Correa's core skills are stronger to kind of foster maybe that breakout, namely with the strikeout rate, to be honest, because they have about a similar walk rate. So it's really just the strikeout difference there. But that doesn't mean that there's no path to a breakout for DeYoung. It's just a little bit different, maybe a little bit more difficult if he doesn't uh, put up like 2019 strikeout rate of 22% versus the 29% from 2020. So I'm looking at these two here, and it's it's a slam dunk that I'd rather have DeYoung. And so even though I I do like Correa, I think his price has just jumped up a little too high for me to stay invested in him. And he's somebody I've been investing in in previous years, but I just see I just see other names. And it's not just DeYoung, by the way. There's there's some others that I'd rather have too. This one isn't as stark of a of an ADP difference, but give me DD Gregorius. Um, what is that? Uh, 30, 34 picks later, two two rounds later. Like I'll take that. I mean, if you really want to get into it, 
I mean, th th there are some differences here. Never mind. Uh, this one, this one will be a little bit more of a stretch. I was going to say Willie Adamas, but there, there's some pretty stark differences there. But he's also for pick 402. So, I mean, yes, there are there are key differences, but he's also <laughs> going after pick 400. But stick with the Correa versus DeYoung or D.D. Gregorius if you prefer. Um, or even Chris Taylor, who finds playing time every year. Uh, as far as projections projections go between them, Correa has a seven home run advantage and a 21 ribby advantage. But Chris Taylor has a seven steal advantage and everything else is pretty close, uh, damn near even. And he goes at pick 218. So he's he's even he's a little bit more costly than DeYoung, so I'd rather just wait for DeYoung. But even that one's uh, pretty interesting there in favor of maybe waiting and bypassing Correa. So like I said, I like him, but I just don't think that the market is pricing him at a level where I can comfortably buy him when there's other guys out there that I really like. In fact, the next guy we're going to get into here is actually um, the secondary guy uh, that I'm going to buy versus the more expensive brand. I'd... I'd rather have this secondary guy over Correa, and they have an equal, uh, damn near equal ADP. Let's get into that one. That's Glaber Torres versus Marcus Simeon. Glaber Torres goes at 70. Simeon goes at 128. Like I said, it's a five-pick difference between Simeon and Correa. I'd rather have Simeon over Correa. Now, that's not thrifting because you're you're basically paying the same price, but I that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just... The more and more I see in the shortstops, the more and more I'm moving away from Correa and toward other players. But let's focus on this comparison here. Torres versus Simeon. 70 versus 128 in the ADP. 30 homers for Torres, 27 for Simeon. Okay, plus three. 83 ribbies, 87 ribbies for Torres, 83 for Simeon, plus four. But then he gets that right back, Simeon does, with a plus four on the runs. Uh, 88 for Torres, 92 for Simeon, and a plus four on the stolen bases to cut to make up for the uh, home run gap uh, with six for Torres, 10 for Simeon. And their averages are darn near equal at 268 and 265 respectively. I just don't know how you're how you're not saving 58 picks here. Uh, Torres is great, uh, really good player, but at that at that market price, there's just no way. Hell, bring Correa back in and and compare him. That that there's where you can be a little bit more favorable toward Correa if you really do like him. Pass on Glaber Torres to get Correa or Simeon, but then pass on Correa to get Paul DeYoung. And I you could I guess say then pass on Simeon to get DeYoung, but however, however, the reason I'm not as keen on that is because. I think Simeon is is the better uh, stolen base guy, and I think his advantages are are more stark over DeYoung than than those uh, of Correa. And I think his runs count could push 100. Simeon's could, whereas I don't really see that for Correa uh, with Houston. Not because not because I don't believe that Houston can be very good, but Correa's not not batting top two, which is where Simeon's going to be batting. So. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work with that transitive. Well, then if you're passing on Correa for DeYoung, you should do the same for Simeon. No, I'd I'd rather pay the premium for Simeon at that point. So a little convoluted there, but for me, I'm bypassing Torres for Simeon. I'm bypassing Correa for DeYoung. And I'm bypassing Correa for Simeon. But I'm not bypassing Simeon for DeYoung. Did that make sense or did that just confuse him more? <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, let's move over to third base, the hot corner here. Let me, let me take a drink while I, before we switch over there.
thank you. Pardon, pardon that. Um, those of you who've listened to Solo Cast before, you know, sometimes your boy just has to take a drink because uh, we're because we're flying solo here. But let's get to the hot corner here, and we're comparing another Houston Astros. Sorry, Astros fans, I'm not I'm not trying to hate on y'all. I know that was uh, that was chic last year. Uh, we'll see if this year people dive back in on hating them since there there weren't really any fans to to give them the business last year. I I gotta be honest though, there's some of their players that I'm really in on, um, both at market price and because they're they're a little cheap. Like I love Kyle Tucker. I think he's poised for a breakout. I like Brantley. I think Altuve is an interesting buy. Um, I play a lot of two catcher leagues, so I could I could see some Jason Castro as my C two. But Bregman little pricey for me in comparison specifically to Justin Turner. Alex Bregman goes 43. Justin Turner goes 194. Now, we know the thing with Justin Turner is he doesn't play a lot, right? That's kind of always been his thing. And yet he still performs at such a high level, even with like guaranteed missed time, right? He misses time every year. And yet he still puts up excellent seasons. And this projection builds in a 69 plate appearance gap, which is nice in favor of Bregman, 670 to 601. But that doesn't breed much of a gap in terms of production. In fact, when you boil it all down, I'm still definitely taking Turner. 27 homers to 26, plus one for Bregman. Okay, cool. Plus three on the ribbies, 91 to 88. Um, Plus seven on the runs, 95 to 88. And and plus two on the steals, four to two. But... Turner turns around and gets some of that back with a 289 to 272 edge in batting average. And those small gaps in the runs, ribbies, uh, homers, and stolen bases is not nearly, not nearly enough for a 151 pick difference. Not even close. There's just no way. Now, listen, it's not as simple as just saying, well, he's cheaper. Uh, he's better. Don't even, don't even look at Bregman. It's not that because Bregman's substantially younger like a decade younger and Turner's health issues could manifest in a more severe way to where, you know, he doesn't even come close to these projections because he only bats, you know, he only has 300 plate appearances. I grant that. But I always talk about being careful not to double count things because that's already built into the price, right? That's why he is so cheap. If Turner wasn't age 36 with a spotty uh, health track record, then he wouldn't cost 194. So that's how we got here. And now I will say, I actually am buying some premium third baseman um, and ideally putting Turner at my corner. But I'm not I'm not getting Bregman. I, I I'm more inclined to go elsewhere at third base if I am shopping in that in that bargain area or not bargain area, in that bin, I should say, uh, with Arenado, Devers, Rendon, Bregman, uh, and even LeMayhew before them, but he goes a little bit more uh, a little bit before them. So it's like Arenado, Devers, Rendon, Bregman are kind of a little quartet there. I'm taking the other three easily. They're a little bit more expensive, but I'm taking all three of them ahead of Bregman without even blinking. And so, you know, if I get one of them and then get Turner as my corner, I'd love it. But if you want to wait on third base and and you really want to, you really want to wait, you can get Turner super late. Now, I probably wouldn't wait that long to make him my starting third baseman unless the draft just broken away where everything else was stacked. Um, I would still want somebody maybe in like the uh, the 90 to 120 range, which includes like Suarez, Moncada, McNeil, Muncie, Bohm, Edmund, 
Chapman, Chris Bryant, and then add Turner. So this this is more to highlight Turner's awesomeness and the fact that he has a great projection, he's super cheap, than it is to suggest that you should start make Turner your starting uh, third baseman. Meanwhile, on all the other ones, I'm fine with Sanchez as your C1. I'm fine with Crone as your first baseman, uh, Segura as your starting second baseman, and Semyon or DeYoung as your starting shortstops. Uh, so that that's where this one differs a little bit, but it's more to highlight Turner and how great he can be. Let's go to the outfield. We got two for the outfield, and um, let's let's take a look. First one is Kyle Schwarber versus Teoscar Hernandez. I should have said Teoscar first. I've been saying the more expensive one first. So Teoscar Hernandez versus Kyle Schwarber. Teoscar at eighty one. ADP versus Schwarber at 194. Now that's insane. Yes, Turner and Schwarber had similar ADPs. I was rounding, so it's probably like 193.5 for Turner and like 194.2 for Schwarber. So if you hear, if you heard that and you're like, well, it's the same one, I rounded. Um, but look at look at that stark difference in price. And now listen to these projections here. Now there are some edges for Hernandez, but they do not. They do not cover a 113-pick gap. They just don't. Let's start at homers. 37 with uh, with Hernandez. 31 for Schwarber. Ribbies, 96 to 87. Runs, 93 to 80. Now, that's a big gap. That's 13 there. And stolen bases, 9 to 4, which also favors Hernandez. And the averages are, are very si- similar. Uh, 290, 249, 290 something. That'd be funny for either of these two. 249 to 246. Um, like I said, there are some differences here, but they do not merit that much of a gap. First off, I should point out that I, I'm a little bit down on Teoscar relative to his ADP. Love the player. And frankly, I do want to be wrong here. But I don't think I am. I think he's being overdrafted. I don't think we saw enough in the 20 sample to suggest that there was a real breakout there as opposed to one of his hot streaks that never really got the time to kind of be counterbalanced by one of his cold streaks. And so I, if you tone these down a little bit, then the numbers are much closer. But even if you don't, just leave them. I still would rather have Schwarber. And I know you could say, well, why not both then? But I, I, I don't think... First off, I don't think you want to take a lot of these guys that have a real chance at hitting 225. Like, not a lot has to happen for these guys to hit two two and a quarter, and you don't want to stack too many of those guys. So I love I love the power potential, but you got to be careful there. But I could also see Schwarber outperforming his because one thing I didn't mention was that there is a um, that there's a plate appearance gap here too. That if that is narrowed, it's 67 plate appearances, and that's that that alone would not cover these differences. But if that's narrowed, where Hernandez comes down, Schwarber goes up, all of a sudden these numbers get closer. And the bottom line, the bottom line is, I don't think there's a one 113 pick gap of production here. And and again, this this comes more so because of how strongly I am concerned about Teoscar, and uh, also how much I like Schwarber and still believe that he can be a really strong power asset. So I'm bypassing Teoscar no matter what. But the target, if I really like Teoscar's profile, and and want to get somebody maybe a little less, not quite as speedy, because Teoscar can Teoscar could push double digits to be honest. I don't think he'll be asked to in Toronto. 
Um, so unless he has kind of a, a green light to do whatever he wants, I think they'll kind of keep him in that high single digits, maybe, maybe low doubles. But uh, I think raw raw speed wise, if he was just turned loose, he could steal 15 to 18. Uh, I think he'll be closer in that nine to 12 range. But even even sacrificing that for Schwarber, I mean, give Schwarber two, I don't care, and give Hernandez 11. I still I still don't see the gap here because I'm just I'm just a little bit concerned on what Tasker can do. Plus, Grichuk is currently slated to be on the bench. And while $10 million that they're paying him isn't something that says, I must play, you know, some of those contracts kind of force their way into the lineup because they're so expensive. $10 million is not like that. That's a healthy number. It's nice to get paid that. But it's not such a uh, price that, like, the Blue Jays are going to say, well, we must play him every day because we're already paying him. It's not like that. But they're going to want to get him in. And I think Teoscar could be the one that gets gets hit by that. Maybe Telez against lefties uh, at DH. But there's going to be days that Teoscar gets the breather and Gritchuk gets in. So I don't even know if Hernandez gets to the 643 plate appearances. I, it's so so tough to go against guys you like, but you have to be honest about what you're seeing out there. And you can't just back a guy because that's your dude. And I love Matt Olson. I love Teoscar Hernandez. I can't back them at these costs when I see... Uh, damn near equivalent options, markedly cheaper. Now this one, this one really, uh, really stunned me a little bit because I was not looking. I was just going to do one outfield, but I was kind of looking over. I was like making sure, is this the best one? Is this the best one that I can do? And I found this secondary one here that, wow, uh, based on the bad X, you really want to pass on the one guy for the other guy here. And, and then... This was before the news that that the secondary guy, the, the the thrift guy, came in best shape of his life, which I know is fun to po- poke fun at, tongue in cheek. You know, there's a Twitter on it, best shape of his life, blah blah blah. Because a lot of that time, a lot of times it could just be like, okay, cool, you know, you got some shape, but a are you going to be able to hold those improvements uh, over the course of the season? B are they even going to improve your production? Right. So I understand why people kind of don't necessarily take them as wow now you're going to be awesome but i will say avisayo garcia dropping 40 pounds and coming in you know real real lean and, and ready to go is interesting and i'm comparing him to michael conforto and i know conforto is a fantasy favorite out there for production and you know he's on a great team too so i get that you're gonna you're gonna be inclined to want to get him on that squad but i would be careful because look at these bad, bad X projections here and tell me that you're not intrigued by taking Avisel Garcia instead. So ADP first, 73 for Conforto, 321 for Avisel Garcia, 321. That's a 248 pick gap, y'all. Let me, uh, I still have the board up that's more recent just since... Um, since February 22nd. Just just more of a tight range here. Just to kind of see where it's at. Actually, hang on. That might not be worthwhile. Oh, sorry. I, I Never mind. I had scrolled down and, and ruined. Uh, it was only showing one draft type. I was like, wait a minute. That's not good. Anyway, I found 33 drafts since then. Um, Garcia is up a bit at 307. But Okay. <laughs> Fine, call call it three oh seven. I don't even care. I'll, I'll do that. I'll go. I'll go the uh, the the higher pick there. That's still hundred two hundred and thirty four picks different. Let's get into the projections. Conforto twenty nine homers. Garcia twenty five. Four four homer gap. 
29, 25. I know five and nine can be closer. So I, there is a difference there. Ribbies, 88 to 81. So that's plus seven for Conforto. Okay, you know, those, those are gaps. Um, and then this is an even bigger one here. 93 runs to 74. Okay, okay. Those are all differences. Um, you know, four homers, seven ribbies, and 14 runs. Is that worth 234 picks? Especially when I tell you that there's a two steal gap in favor of Garcia, eight to six, and a 15 point batting average gap, 269 to 254. No, God, no. It does not cover that. I'm sorry, Mets fans. But you really got to have a strong look in the mirror here and say, maybe I don't take my boy and I just root for him in the uh, in the real life realm. And for fantasy, so I can bring home the bucks and bring home the trophies, I get Avisal Garcia. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, this, I will say, this is definitely one because we knew five outfielders where you can definitely do the both route. Hey, let me get Conforto early and I'll get a secondary Conforto later because maybe you believe Conforto can beat these projections. I'm fine with that. But I had to outline this this projection here because of how close they are with how different their ADP is. I think Avisel Garcia is a bit forgotten. And um I'm ready to pounce because that Milwaukee team, they're 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 nice with their offense. I think they struggled last year for sure. And there were guys they had some of the bigger busts in terms of expectations for fantasy with Yelich and Keston Hira. Um, and then even Omar Narvaez was a pretty big bust because one thing people were saying, and I was among them, was, hey, he might not have the defense of Grandal, but he's damn near the bat, so they're not going to lose much there. Turns out they actually trained him up really nicely defensively to where he was kind of on a par with, with a Grandal season defensively, but he completely lost his bat <laughs> as an expense of that. Uh, and then Lorenzo Cain sat out due to COVID. Um, and so now you look at everything and they're going Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Keston Hira, Omar Narvaez, Avisal Garcia. They brought back um, Travis Shaw on a non-roster invite, which I like, but they have Luis Urias there in case Shaw doesn't work out. And then Orlando Garcia at short. This is a solid offense here. And Avisal Garcia is going to be part of that. Now, this has him batting sixth. This just goes left, right, left, right. I could see a scenario where Garcia is in the top half here. I could I could see if he pans out if he's doing his thing, and uh, you know playing let's say the the weight loss helped and he's more powerful and he's better and and he and he keeps those gains from last year with the walk rate at ten percent for Avisal Garcia, I could see him feasibly batting second. I could see Kane Garcia Yelich Hira. Now I know that's three righties and a lefty at the top four, but you got to get your best players the most plate appearances. You can't just go left right left right for the sake of of that that sort of uh that sort of balance there if the players don't merit it. I understand why Jason put it like this, Jason Martinez of Roster Resource. Uh it makes sense, it tracks, but what I'm saying is Garcia's not locked into 6 and immovable in my opinion. I think he could certainly move up into that uh, into that top 4 range at some point or even just 5. Even if he just flips with Narvaez it'll help. Every every spot you move up helps with your with your uh, plate appearance capabilities. So I, I through this exercise, I am now a fan of Avisal Garcia this year, and I've got him on my draft board, and I can't wait to take a look at getting him as my fourth, fifth outfielder here um, and, and stacking him with the rest of my guys. So again, a quick review. Skip Sal Perez. Get Gary Sanchez. 
Skip Matt Olson, get CJ Crone. Skip Kevin Biggio for sure and get Gene Segura. Skip Carlos Correa and get Paul DeYoung. Skip Glaver Torres and get Marcus Simeon. Um, skip Bregman, but not necessarily skip the upper tier of third base and get Justin Turner as your corner. Again, this is the one where it doesn't quite fit the mold here. I'm not saying just replace one with the other, uh, rather just using them to highlight how great Turner's projection is. Um, skip Teoscar Hernandez, get Kyle Schwarber, and skip Michael Conforto and get Avisel Garcia. Now, you still need to shop in the upper tier of uh, outfielders. This is one where I would say you can do both if you want, if you really believe in Conforto, and just get yourself a baby Conforto 200-plus picks later. Uh, so again, the third base one and the secondary outfield one are the two where I'm like not just saying completely skip the top guy for the cheaper guy. But that's it. There, there it is. That's thrift shopping with the Bat X. Um, you know, you guys know if you listen to the show that I am not someone who is dead married to projections. And so I don't I want to be clear here that I'm not just taking these and saying, this is what's gonna happen, just do this. But it's a great jump off point to assess skills and talent. And I think the Bat X is it's my favorite system out there. I love what Derek does with everything and knowing Derek personally and what he puts into it and talking with him uh, adds to my confidence level in it. And that's not to shade anybody else's system, but rather to prop up the bad X from my personal experience. And so I'm looking here and I'm trying to find places where I could get a jump on some folks. And I think I found some avenues here. Let me know what you think of this. If you enjoyed it, and let me know if you found any, if you were looking over any of the projection systems, even if it's not bad X, did you find something where it's like, hey, skip this guy in the top 100 and get this other guy 200 picks later, uh, tweet him at me, at Spore, come on to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Spore, I'm on five, six nights a week, playing MLB The Show, playing poker, we were playing Among Us last night, it was awesome, so we've been having a great time, and we're always talking baseball, so even if you don't play video games at all, and you just want to come hang and, and talk about baseball, and cut up about movies and music and everything, come through. We have many people in the chat who do not even have a console. They are there to hang out, have a good time with folks, and talk baseball. So again, that's twitch.tv slash spore. Also, uh, thanks to everybody who's been supporting our Patreon. We just started a Patreon this year. I'm really excited about that, and I can't wait to get going with uh, extra content that we're going to be doing for the Patreon, including um, earlier access to rankings. Uh, you know how we did the commentary on on like catchers, first base, second, short, and third, but not outfield and starting pitcher? There's going to be outfield and starting pitcher commentary on the Patreon. We're going to have Zoom calls, Q&A, extra pods, et cetera, et cetera. So go check it out. If you want to support, go ahead. We have a Discord that we started up. That's going to start popping off uh, as the season gets going. So come through. I appreciate everything uh, and everybody listening. And hey. It's March. Baseball's back, baby. I'm so freaking excited. Thanks for listening. Back tomorrow with Justin. Peace.